1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. Now John Buffon is spreading Buffon-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical... Every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffone 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffone 55, The John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down the Chicago Bears. My name is John Buffon, and with me as always is my co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, new season, same result. Uh, We were once again hoodwinked into thinking that the Chicago Bears could start the season off on a positive note by defeating the Green Bay Packers, but here we are just trying to pick up the pieces yet again. How you doing? Uh, It's been a couple days, and it still stings a little. I mean, going into this game, we had all this optimism. That's the most optimistic I think we've ever been on this show. Uh, It finally felt like the tide was turning, and then it just happened to be a continuation, game 18 of the 2022 season. So, I mean, that's about as bad as it could have been, even if they were to lose. I mean, but that was just embarrassing. We wanted to see something different, and it's almost like we saw a mirror image. It's it's almost like it was game 18 of the 2022 season. It, it nothing it, it, that I think that's what really hurt me the most was just like I I thought this was a different team. They're su- supposedly new players. They're supposed they're supposed to they're supposed to be something different about this team, and there wasn't. And that was just a gut wrenching game for all Bears fans who were watching that game and thinking oh my god why did I get my hopes up they're doing it to us again it never fails but you want to know what we're here guys for all the barflies we're here this is your therapy session we're going to talk it out we're going to rant get ready <laughs> you're absolutely right before we jump into trying to break down this mess Alyssa can you give everyone a rundown of how Buffon 55 works this year 
Absolutely. So we're going to start the show with our classic B-55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions about the Bears and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then at halftime, we're going to break down the Bears' upcoming opponent. And this week, we're going to take a deep dive on the Baker Mayfield-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We then finish things up with a free-for-all that we call Buffon's Basement, where Danny Shimon joins John and me, and the three of us are going to try to make sense of this disaster that was week one. So, John, I'm guessing that you're still fuming like me from Sunday's game. So are you ready to do this? Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty ready to do this tonight, yeah. Buckle up, guys. Here we go. It's time for our B55 segment. That's when I'm going to ask John five questions here. And he's somehow going to fit his responses into 55 seconds, though. I'm assuming he's probably going to go over a little bit (laughs) today. So (laughs) let's get it started. So, John, I don't need to tell you, but Sunday was an absolute disaster with the Bears falling to the Packers 38 20 in a game that never really felt close, even with the score being 10 6 at halftime. As you were watching that debacle unfold, I'm curious, what was going through your mind? You have 55 seconds. Good luck. Look, I know you aren't supposed to make up your mind on a team in week one, but that was absolutely pathetic. It looked like nothing changed at all. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. The defense was getting picked apart. They made Jordan Love look like a Hall of Famer. The play calling was suspect, and even special teams looked flimsy. We were supposed to see improvement. We didn't expect a Super Bowl roster, but something was supposed to look better. This is like a crappy cereal company that wants to make more money, but instead of making better cereal, they just keep putting the same crappy product in a new shiny box and call it new and improved and that's what we got on sunday new players same crappy product this loss left such a bad taste in my mouth i'm not sure how i'm gonna rinse it out even if they beat tampa i'm still gonna be pissed off about the green bay game because you only get so many chances to prove that something is going to be different against your biggest rival who's been kicking your ass for 30 years and now the national narrative is the packers remain stable and the bears remain a mess I mean, that was quite literally the worst possible scenario for the Bears on Sunday. And it wasn't even one we considered because as Bears fans, we always know that there's that chance that the Packers are going to beat the Bears. That's happened most of our lives, John. Right. But the way that that went down was just embarrassing and excusable. I mean, it was so demoralizing when they're showing the Bears offensive players on the sideline just looking like, oh, my God. Like, that's that's how you know it was bad. And that's how the fans felt as well. Yeah. And I feel like, honestly, it took everything out of me, like, emotionally draining. Isn't football supposed to be fun? I'm like, like I waited, even, waited eight months for this. <laughs> even if, like, you're losing sometimes. Like, last year, there were some games where it was still fun, even though they lost. But, like, that was about as bad as it could have gotten. And just the game, it was exhausting. Like, I was thinking, like, we had to come on this show again and talk about another Packers loss. I still have not been able to celebrate a Bears win over the Packers on this show. And it's just. What is it? Uh, nine in a row? Nine in a row they've beaten the, the, the Bears now? No. It, it's, it's uh, at some point, and like, I, I, why do we keep putting hope into this? That something's going to change. Like, I, I'm, I get that. There's a lot of overreaction in week one, but I'm going to overreact today because we waited so freaking long to see something different. And it was exactly the same. We already experienced last season three wins 
that that three and fourteen season. I don't want to relive it. No. If so, like just come ahead. I mean, we'll be on here. But if you want to re-experience that season, go listen to Perform Fifty Five last year. Same we have it. We have the rundown. It's the yep. same thing. Mm-hmm. I can't agree more. Okay, so John, after the game, head coach Matt Eberflus didn't have anything of real substance to offer the media, <laughs> stating that he had to go back and look at the tape on a number of items. So John, we know it's only week two of his second year, but what is your analysis of Coach Eberflus so far? 55 seconds are on the clock. Go back and look at the tape, huh? I can't wait until he starts saying that we need to find the whys and that everyone had a great week of practice. Coach, I don't think you need to look at the tape to know that you got your ass beat in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Your offense, at best, was a sputtering unit and the defense couldn't get off the field. So I have to say this because I said the same thing about Matt Nagy. When Nagy was here and the offense was horrible, I said, you were brought in here to revolutionize the Bears' offense. You were supposed to make this into a high-octane unit. And if your side of the ball is bad, what is it that you're bringing to the table so I must say the same thing to Matt Eberflus you were brought here because you're of your ability to run the defense in Indianapolis but this defense that Ryan Pohl sunk about a hundred million dollars into this offseason looks like the same joke we saw last year at a fraction of the cost so coach I don't know how hands-on you really are with the defense but something needs adjusted and it needs adjusted now before we see that same kind of performance this week yeah I mean Again, like it feels like just like a redux of the 2022 year. Like, I mean, like this is not his first season. I mean, I mean, I just feel disappointed because like even last year when they were losing and losing and losing, his team competed even during that 10 game losing streak. Like they, except for those, the week 17 game against the Lions, right? And now the roster is better, right? You have more money supposedly, put into it yeah. and it's supposedly, and it's the same performance. And it's like, what are you doing? I mean, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but it trickles down to the rest of the coaching staff as well. They just, yeah. this does not look like a team prepared to play. You had all off season and you had two weeks specifically after the preseason to prepare, to prepare for the Packers, your biggest rival who's humiliated you for years. And that's the performance that you put out there and kind of listening to some of the players too talk about how surprised they were that that was the product. But if you went into the game with this game plan that you've had, that you've had months to do, and that's the outcome, how are you surprised by that? Like it just, it felt, I mean, it was, and that's, that's on Matt Eberflus. That is his job. Like, yes, he's not calling plays on defense, which I think is a mistake. Alan Williams, which I'm sure we'll get to, but I mean, it's just brutal all around. This is your second year. This is when you're supposed to take that step forward. Like we're talking about Justin Fields taking steps forward. So do the coaches. Right. And it, this, we, we can't say that these are, uh, it, we'll, we'll get to the offensive side of the ball, but we can't say that, oh, they're first time play callers now. They let them work through it. They're not, not anymore. Nope. And so eventually as a head coach, you need to know when you have to make a hard decision and take over something. And I hope that time is coming soon. Absolutely. So, John, we're going to stick with the defense. Um, no, I know you're excited about that. Uh, you mentioned the high-priced free agents that were brought in, but the results look very similar to last year, if not worse. What was your take on the defensive performance against the Packers? 55 seconds and go. Look, the Bears defense is like a creamery that only serves vanilla, and they can't even get that right. Look, Allen Williams appears to be committed to this bland shell cover two scheme, despite the fact they can't get any pressure with the front four. This was Jordan Love's real first pressurized start as the Packers quarterback without his best receiver on the road, and the Bears defense did everything they could to make sure he didn't get too rattled. I can't think of a better scenario for Jordan Love. He literally had all day to throw the football and go through his progressions, have a sip of coffee, and then throw the ball someone was eventually going to get open I truly hope at some point someone asks 
what exactly is the defensive strategy? If all the stars aligned, what are you trying to do? Because I'm not an NFL coach, but if I'm at home against an inexperienced quarterback, I want to know how he reacts to people flying at him. I want to see if he can make an errant throw or a bad decision when there's heat in the kitchen. But there wasn't any of that. You were already getting toasted. Why not throw the house at the young quarterback and see if you can force some turnovers? I don't understand it. Yeah, again, like the, the game plan, I'm just completely confused by it. When you have, like you mentioned, the young quarterback making his second career start and his the first pressurized start, as you said, and you let him just stay comfortable back there from start to finish, what do you think is going to happen? Like you need to make adjustments. I mean, even the, the game was attainable at halftime. Four points. You're down four points. That game is winnable still. And yet you refuse to make adjustments. Jordan Love just completely shredded the defense. And it was like, oh, my God, here we go. Another Packers quarterback that's going to own the Bears. I mean, it, it was just embarrassing. And this is now I saw a stat today where Allen Williams's defense in nine of the last 11 games has allowed 28 points or more. Like that is just inexcusable. That cannot happen. It was an embarrassment all around. And their idea is to let's just keep doing that that's that's the fix just keep doing that and see what happens i'm sure like what what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results okay that's that that's being a fan of the bears yeah that that pretty much summarizes being a bears fan so all right <laughs> pretty much okay so now we're going to shift the offensive side of the ball which is not going to make things better at all <laughs> um justin fields threw for 216 yards with a touchdown and a pick six but there weren't many fireworks from a receiving squad that was supposed to be among the fastest and best in the NFL. So throw in the fact that Fields also led the team in rushing with 59 yards, and it amounted to a very lackluster performance. What irritated you the most, and there's plenty to choose from, about this Bears offense last Sunday, and good luck fitting this into 55 seconds. Well, I'm glad you didn't ask me to limit it to one thing because that would be impossible. But we kept hearing about Fields' chemistry with DJ Moore and how they were on the same page through camp. Moore, the guy that was part of that trade involving the number one overall pick, got two targets, both of which he caught for 25 yards. So was this lack of production because of the player or the play calling? I really don't care, but it's insane that you wouldn't use him a little bit more. The offensive line, much like the defensive line, was getting pushed around. The running game was subpar at best. Herbert averaged three yards per carry. Foreman averaged 3.2 and Roshan Johnson averaged four, although he really didn't get involved until about the second half. Then you have Chase Claypool, who the Bears essentially gave up a first-round pick for with two targets, zero catches, and some of the worst blocking I've ever seen. I don't know what the hell is going on, but if that continues, that's going to go down as one of the worst trades in recent memory for the Bears. Then you're trying QB sneaks with Cole Komet. You can't convert on fourth and inches, and only three of Justin Fields' uh, 37 passes went beyond 10 yards. So is that irritating enough? Oh my gosh, there's just like, where do you start? And I, I forgot about that first series with the direct snap to Colcombet, third and one, fourth and one, like, and you can't, I was like, that was when I knew the game was over, which is ridiculous. It's overreaction, obviously. There's plenty of game left to be played. But I felt like that was the beginning of the end because it felt like the same old thing. And like you said on offense, I mean, the fact that DJ Moore was targeted twice on the same drive and he caught both of them. And then they just completely ignored him. <laughs> Made no sense. So, like, I mean, what am I most irritated about? Uh, maybe Luke Getzey, I'd have to say, because we're going back to it. This is not his first year being a play caller anymore. The excuses are over. He reverted back to week one, week two, like the beginning. Before that, the I mean, leading up to the Washington debacle last year, oh. right? That This is the same yeah. Luke Getzey. He forgot what Justin Fields did well. Like, he didn't roll him out. I mean, like, 
it's like they're forcing Fields to be a pocket passer. I feel like we're having the same conversation again. No, that we just I had feel last like I'm in the year. twilight zone. I had to check my calendar to make sure I was in the right year because I, I, I don't like. I feel it's like we're ridiculous. doing the same thing we did last year at this exact same time. And, and, and but they're supposed to be better weapons this year, so we can't even blame lack of talent right now. So it's it's got to be. It, it's not. I mean, it's it, we can't just keep saying there's the the weapons aren't there because they're there now. So is it the is it the quarterback? Is it the play calling? The scheme? I mean, I I, I watched some of that you know quarterback school video. Actually, I watched almost all of it that whole hour, <laughs> and I I can't imagine. I I don't know why I put myself through that because I I couldn't even fall asleep after that. I'm like, why would I watch this before bed? Like, what is it? This is what a terrible thing to watch before you're trying to go to sleep because it just makes you angry. Uh, but it, it's we we're, we're I'm done with the excuses at this point. Yeah, I made it two minutes into that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to suck. I grabbed a glass of wine. And I'm like, I need this to get through this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and then like, you, and Chase Claypool, like you mentioned, what what the hell was that? I don't know. Like, I guess they had to sit down with him. He, did he want to be out there? Yeah. And like, listen to Eberflus today. I'm like, that's something which you hope that it wasn't just like Luke Getze that had a conversation or Tyke Tolbert. It better have been Matt Eberflus. And I'm hearing sure the fact that like... <laughs> Right. But like they didn't even deny that he might not be active uh, for this Bucks game, which in week two, after you traded the 32nd overall pick for this guy, I mean, right. my God, just what a disaster. Hey, New Year, same old Bears. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. Absolutely nothing's changed. So it, I, I guess that's going to be the running theme of this of this entire show is, oh, look, nothing's changed. Good. So buckle in. We're anything if consistent on this show. Yeah, you're we right. have the same script to follow. Yeah, you know, say nothing's nothing changed in, in what and what we're covering. So how are we gonna? There's only so many angles you can take to this. Absolutely. Okay, so we're gonna end on this. It's still really early in the season, and the time when fans overreact to their team for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. So is it a complete overreaction to say that this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a must-win for the Bears this week? <laughs> Let's turn off the clock for this one. John, have at it. Man, I'm trying to keep it together and not completely fall off the ledge here, but I don't think it's an overreaction to say this Sunday is a must win for the uh, for the Bears against the Bucks. If they lose, they're 0 2 heading into week three when they travel to Kansas City, who presumably will be uh, with Travis Kelsey and will probably beat the Bears. Therefore, if you start the season 0-3, you can only imagine what the conversations are going to be surrounding this team because that would be a worse start than last year's team. You know, the team that was so bad they got the number one overall pick. That team was actually 2-1 and one after three games. And I know this is kind of apples and oranges, but if you start this season... 0-3, after paying all that money in free agency, after bringing in DJ Moore, after adding to the offensive and defensive lines, you are not going to get a fraction of the amount of patience that Bears fans showed last year, myself included. This team doesn't have the luxury of taking any game lightly, so someone better show up on Sunday ready to make a statement and push off some of those looming conversations around Hallis Hall. That'll do it for B55. After this message, we'll preview the Tampa Bay Bucks and talk with Danny Shimon, the Ballroom's lead analyst. The fall is where we rock here at the Ballroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Ballroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bears fans, this is Michael Plus of Real Bucks Talk. You can catch my work and also Mark Ramirez, my co-host, at uh, Real Bucks Talk on Twitter and also on YouTube at Real Bucks Talk.
Welcome back to Buffon 55. The Bears have to travel to Florida this weekend for their Sunday matchup against the Bucks. Although Gandia previews that Tampa Bay team. Mayfield, quick pass. Godwin, did he hang on? He did! The Tampa Bay Bucks went to Godwin. hostile U.S. Bank Stadium and held on to and beat the Minnesota Vikings. So they had a lot of complimentary football. Uh, obviously, the offense struggled in the first half, but defense came up big with turnovers, and they just they found a way to win. The way to win was led by linebackers Devin White and Levante David. Both of them played all over the field. It was If it wasn't one, it was the other one. They did a good job finding the hider and the bootlegs, and they did a good job cleaning up plays that the D-line set up for them. They did a good job flying around, period, and, you know, both of them. Had double-digit tackles, both of them were all over the place. I thought, you know, they really showed their leadership. Bucks coach Todd Bowles had another ace on his defense Sunday, defensive back Antoine Winfield Jr. Winfield did a lot of things that Winfield does. He got tackles, he got sacks, he caused fumbles, he recovered fumbles, he got PBUs. Very good tackler in space, very good cover guy in space. Um, like I said, him, Devin, and Levante, probably the fastest three guys on the field on our side of the ball. And they played like superstars, and, you know, they, they practiced like that, so they played like that. Vita Vea's presence in the middle of the defensive line and rookie three-tech Kalijah Canty could become a handful for the Bears' offensive line. Vita, you know, is going to be just the powerful force that he is in the middle and had a really good game on Sunday. Kalijah Canty played only, like, 11 snaps because uh, they – they wanted to keep precaution for him because that calf tightened up on him. But when he was in there, he did a great job. I mean, he showed pressure. He, he did all the things you want from a three tech getting up the field and causing disruptions. Kalijah Kansi, the first round pick out of Pittsburgh. Third and eight to the sideline. Broken up. What a play by Davis. Big, fast corners that can can make plays all over the field. Uh, Carlton Davis, uh, Jamel Dean, and then the real underrated player that's come out of nowhere has been Christian Izian, the undrafted rookie out of Rutgers. Had an amazing interception on Sunday to, to take away points uh, from Minnesota. On offense, the Bucks have gone from Brady to Baker Mayfield, who is on his fourth team since being drafted first overall in the 2018 draft. Uh, there's still things that, you know, he just doesn't have in his game, so he still misses things over the middle of the field, uh, takes some unnecessary sacks. But for Sunday, he did a, a great job of just protecting the football, staying within the system and you know lead the team and i think the team uh has definitely rallied around him and they're they're all in uh with baker mayfield he's a quarterback with an offensive lineman mentality now you don't want your quarterback doing it too much but you know he'll make the yards when he has to make the yards when the game is on the line he plays very smart that doesn't mean he's a renegade by any means it, it just means that he's willing to go the extra mile to put his face in the fan when the situation calls for it and hopefully he doesn't have to do that too much where he can get banged up but offensive linemen feed off of that and then he becomes one of them and you know it's, it's a rallying cry for the offense. The Bucks redid their offensive line and now run a wide run zone blocking scheme. Their pass protection held against the heavy blitzing Vikings and allowed only one sack. Overall I thought they did very well. They protected Baker Mayfield, gave him time to throw. Um, so I know a lot of people going into the season thought that was going to be the biggest question mark but they, they did a pretty solid job overall. 
The Bucks had 33 rushing attempts, eight of them from Mayfield, and Coach Bowles wasn't worried that they only averaged 2.2 yards per carry. I thought they were tough runs, from considering the fronts they were playing and trying to take away, and they kind of had an extra guy every time. The run doesn't always have to be pretty. You know, if you can get 33 runs in, it keeps the defense off the field some, it keeps them out there longer, it keeps them honest and keeps them off of Baker some. So it has a double fold. You know, the, the amount of carries are just as important as the yardage, if not more important. So if we can stay with that and kind of stay balanced, it kind of keeps everybody in the game. Rashad White could have got more yards. There was open holes, he just missed them. So there was a lot of missed opportunities on his part as far as finding, finding the lanes. So he's got to, some work to do to get better. At wide receiver, star player Mike Evans caught six of his 10 targets and scored a touchdown. Chris Godwin had five catches for 66 yards. No other player on the team had more than two catches. Tampa's special teams drew praise from Bowles. It's huge. It, it was real big because we had a lot of young guys out there, you know, playing for the first time. It's a, kind of the puppy pound. You're getting out there, running down. You know they're going to make their mistakes, but you know they're going to make them full speed. I, I thought they showed good composure. I thought they ran and made some plays. But their gunners right now is Zion McCollum. He's a second-year corner, and then they have a rookie corner, Josh Hayes, as the other gunner. So there could be opportunities for some returns. They were solid against Minnesota. Uh, that's due large part to Jake Camarda, the second-year punter out of Georgia. He was outstanding on Sunday. I think he averaged about 58 yards per kick. And for the most part, the kickers did an outstanding job, so that helped us win the ball. Sunday's temperatures are expected to approach 100 degrees on the field, something neither team desires. Uh, it's brutal for both teams because it's so intense. It's, it's a heat that just keeps you know bearing down on you so i don't think it gives any other team you know a certain advantage whatever the temperatures are at raymond james stadium it's going to be the heat that todd bowles defense is going to bring up against the bears offensive line in justin fields that's probably going to determine this game aldo gandia for buffon 55 Thank you to Aldo Gondia for that great preview of the upcoming opponent for the Bears. It's going to be a hot one. Let's bring the heat on right now. Let's bring on the Bears lead analyst, Danny Shimon. Danny, welcome to the phone 55. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, but after watching that preview, I'm, I'm a little more scared now than I was going into this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not hopeful now. I wanted to be, but I, I'm, I, I'm not. So, uh, Danny, I'll start you off with this. Uh, are you over the Green Bay game yet? And what are your – if now that you had – few days to let it kind of marinate what are your what are your lasting impressions of that uh no it's it still it still hurts it still sucks as, as a fan uh lifelong fan of the bears it was like there was so much anticipation you were just looking forward to to seeing this this team kind of take the next step not that they're going to contend for super bowl but they're going to come out and be competitive and if if you're going to beat green bay this time around with the top offensive weapon out you know with, with christian watson you know their their third year quarterback making his first career opening you know weekend start uh, I don't know how you're going to beat them, but, and, and they just, they just came out flat and uh, at the put on my analyst hat and, and we watched that game, believe it or not. And it was painful as painful 
watching it again the second time around as it was watching it live on, on TV. So uh, just way too many mistakes. It just the offensive line looked like it wasn't prepared. Um, you know, it just, you know, it looked like, you know, they weren't annoying. They weren't sure what their assignments were. Uh, just mistakes after mistakes, the offensive line, defensive line. Um, Justin had had some had some opportunities down the football field, uh, didn't take advantage of those as well. So just and the fact that they had all offseason to prepare for the Packers to, to play the Packers um, and they just came out flat and, and it put that on the football field really was disappointing. Yeah. So I was hoping that you were going to be like, oh, it's not the, the tape isn't as bad as what you thought it was. But apparently it, it is just as bad. The as good nowhere. news is it's just one game. That's the good news. <laughs> the bad news is it's, it looks the exact same that we saw last year with these improved players they were supposed to be bringing in. So, okay, let's let's start let's start breaking down this team and what we're and moving forward. Uh, Alyssa, I'm going to ask you this, and then Danny, jump in. Let's start with let's start with something we haven't really talked about yet: the running game for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Khalil Herbert, uh, Deontay Foreman, and then Roshan Johnson got some play in the back. The only thing I, the only positive thing I really took out of this was when Roshan Johnson leveled a defender with the ball. Uh, so if, if so, uh, Alyssa, if you're running the running backs room or you're the offensive coordinator, are, are you are you giving Roshan Johnson an increased role this week because of just that you know little bolster a bolster that he did coming off the bench or how do you how are you splitting up the carries? You're muted, just like the Bears are. <laughs> oh man, see. I blame the Packers. I'm just going to blame mm. the Packers. But short answer is yes. I, I would definitely give uh, Roshan more carries. He led the Bears uh, running backs with carries, but that's, again, because, you know, they put him in there towards the end of the game. But he looked like one of the only – like one of the few players that actually wanted to be out on the field for the Bears. And even when they were getting their ass kicked, like he actually was – he made it exciting for a little bit, right? And then you're like, oh, wait, we're still getting our ass kicked by the Packers. But – I mean, I feel like there's no reason why even despite them bringing him at the end of the game, why he shouldn't be a part of, of the game plan moving forward. I mean, I just feel like he's the most complete back of the three that they have. And I mean, you see it, whether it's his rushing ability uh, or his pass catching ability or pass protection, which is something that Justin Fields needs. You mm -hmm. need to make sure that he has more time to throw the ball. So I, I feel like even on the show we talked about, we think he's going to be the lead back at some point this season. It's just a question of when. And I mean, I don't know if week two is going to be that, but I definitely think we're going to see the start of that uh, this week against Tampa. Yeah. Danny, I mean, is this, a, is, do you want to try to capitalize on Johnson being a naive rookie? Maybe he has some of that energy you can throw in there and just say, make something happen kid and see, and see what you got. Or do you really want to see if the, if Khalil Herbert can turn in, turn into that every down back, despite some of his shortcomings? Well, with this defensive front, obviously, you know, they, they touch on on that preview with, with big, you know, Vita Vea, 350 pounds of mass humanity in the middle of that defensive line. You know, it's going to be hard for, for running like, like, say, Deontay Foreman to be able to kind of, he's more of a downhill physical runner in between the tackles. You need, gonna need runners like, like Khalil Herbert and like Rashawn Johnson. They can bounce a run to the outside, possibly with a little more elusiveness, a little more speed. So I think Khalil will start, you know, being the, the veteran he is. And I think you're going to see uh, Rashawn Johnson sprinkled in more, you know, going over the, the game tape and, and Alyssa kind of alluded to it. You know, we all thought he came in towards the end of the game. But actually, he was sprinkled in throughout the game. He was actually lined up as a receiver, as a slot receiver. He was lined up as, as, a, as a fullback sometimes, as an offback as well. So he was throughout the game. He was in there. Just, you know, his impact happened more when he had that big run where he ran over Rudy Ford. And then obviously when he, where he caught some, you know, some balls on, on the, on the, in the, from the backfield and also then 
scored his first career touchdown. So I think, I think slowly but surely you're going to see Johnson kind of creep up more in terms of his, you know, carries because he can, can do more. You could probably play Herbert and Johnson at the same time. Like I talked about earlier, you can line them up as a receiver, so on and so forth. So, and he actually, guys, he actually blocked out of the receiver oh, slot yeah. position. He actually blocked, he actually put effort, you know, and not like Mr. I, I, I would say, who are, who are you alluding to there, Dan? <laughs> yeah, who, 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 who didn't block? Claypool, who was pouting because <laughs> he, was, he was probably, you know, he didn't want to feel like blocking or something like that. That that was still, that is just a, a disgrace in terms of, you're an NFL, professional NFL football player, and that's what you put on tape. You know, and so it's and the fact that April Lewis talked about possibly, you know, and making him inactive this week, do it because you know what, even though you need him out there in terms of his size and speed, you know, ratio, his ability to kind of maybe go one on one and make a play. But man, you cannot go out there and put that kind of effort, not just one play, it was multiple plays. It was the multiple plays. Whenever I watch the tape, whenever he was asked to block, whether it was a down block or block outside on, the, on those swing, you know, quick routes, he had no, it, it, no desire whatsoever to go out there and, and make a play. And and you know that you hear about Equinemius St. Brown's ability to to block, and if they if they want that if that's what they need or that's what they feel like they need to put into the scheme, could we see Claypool go inactive and then bring uh, St. Brown back into into the lineup? Yeah, the thing about St. Brown, he is a good blocker, but unfortunately, he's not that great of a receiver. So that that's a little give and take there. So uh, you know, he does give you better effort, no no doubt about it, in terms of being a blocker, especially up at the line of scrimmage. So you know, you can definitely use him there. But I would like to see, you know, the rookie Tyler Scott get more involved. You know, this is going to be a front that's going to be very aggressive, very physical. Justin's going to have to get rid of that football real quick. And a lot of these, you know, quick hitting plays with, with quick, you know, moving receivers, whether it's the backside of the backfield or, you know, Mooney or, or a Tyler Scott or even DJ Moore, you got to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And because if not, he's going to get annihilated back there. Let's stick with uh, the offense before we switch over to the enigma that is the defense. But uh, uh, after the game, when we were talking on Bear Football, Danny, you said you were afraid to see what this Todd Bowles defense could potentially do to the Bears offense. So I'm going to kick it to you first, and then Alyssa will have you chime in. But what can we expect from an offensive performance against a Todd Bowles defense that is not going to be uh, is not going to care if the Bears can't get it together? <laughs> Well, let's not cover yours, right? So this is a physical, this is a physical multifaceted defense. This is the defense that's going to bring, uh, they're going to disguise their coverages. They're going to disguise what they're doing up front. You'll know, you'll see at times they'll lap with, you know, with seven guys at the line of scrimmage, drop back three, only bring four and vice versa. They'll blitz you from all three levels of the defense. You'll, you'll see Antoine Winfield Jr. come as a blitz. You'll see, you know, Devin White. You'll see Elante David come as, as a blitzer. You'll see a, a, a corner, you know, a nickel corner come as a, as a blitzer. So, you, you know, you have to be, you know, in terms of your assignments, you have to be sound in terms of your protections. Justin, you're going to have to identify and, and, and make sure your protections are lined up or, or at least very well know who's going to be coming free, who's possibly going to be dropping back in coverage because they will do everything they can to, to disguise what they're doing. And when they come, they come hard and they hit you hard. Physical, uh, aggressive defensive front for sure. So, Alyssa, how uh, – how... <laughs> How positive are you that the they're going to write the ship offensively after since they gave you so much to go off of last week? How do you how do you think that they're going to turn the ship around today, or I should say Sunday? Well, if I had any optimism, like during during the Buccaneers preview, <laughs> like Danny said, he was watching Bucks tape, and then he's he's like, Justin will die on Sunday. So like, I'm not feeling any better. I'm actually more terrified. I mean, this is a really talented Buccaneers defense, and they're going to give the bears offense a lot of the same issues that they had against green Bay. And it's just, I have no faith in Luke Etsy and this offensive co or this coaching staff 
to write the ship, especially that quickly. I just feel like I think we'll see some changes, but I think it's going to be the same result. They're going to have to prove it to me. I mean, it's just, uh, and Danny didn't help. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Here we go. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to do what you said, Danny. I'm going to cover my eyes. Well, actually, I really can't do that. When I'm watching <laughs> the game, I have to. We all have to, guys. We all have to. Watch um, the game. We yeah. have to watch. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not encouraged. This is a really talented Buccaneers defense. And I think Justin Fields is in trouble. Yeah. I mean, they, I think they said they want to get more vertical this week, take some more chances down the field. But I mean, you got to, you're going to have to have some time to do that. And <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know how much time he's going to have. Uh, back there this week so let's let's turn let's turn to something a little more uplifting the Bears defense uh you know yeah. and Matt, Matt Eberflus is bread and butter why he was you know you know he's he brought in because of his ability to run a defense and then we this defense sucks love that drop so much and I, as much as I as much as I don't want to have to use it because I don't want the defense to suck it sucks <laughs> it, it, it was bad and so uh Danny we talked about this <laughs> They don't blitz. Uh, they 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 can't get pressure with the front four. Uh, they're expecting their their secondary to cover guys for 15 minutes, and it just and it just gets frustrating because you're seeing that same thing over and over again. As I said in the last segment, it's a vanilla it's it's a vanilla creamery that doesn't get vanilla right, and so it, it's just it's why why won't they blitz or why won't Matty or Flues take over or what why why I, I guess I just want to know why and uh, oh my god I'm asking for the whys I'm doing it to myself now. oh no <laughs> that that's a question I've been asking for going back to end of last year I mean like why aren't they doing anything differently just to you know change things up like you would know, see the other teams like like for example watch the Jets on Monday night they play a four three they play a lot of zone the Bucks play heck, the Bucks play a lot of zone but they're a three four many a three four team but you know what what you do is you, you change up and you bring guys to bring extra pressure um and the jets have a great defensive line and they're bringing blitzers and all that stuff all over the place as well so i don't know why they won't blitz um you know this is why I, i'm a big proponent of you build your team from the offense and defensive lines now they went they, they invested two draft picks on, on the defensive front which is good i like both those kids but they have to take some time to develop in the meantime you want to pay big money for a linebacker two linebackers and which i think you should invest that money into your defensive line in terms of free agency and all that stuff but that's a, another discussion for another day but in terms of why they won't blitz you know eba floats touched on it Today he's like, you know, we might change things around a little bit. But I'm, I'm telling you, like, they, Jordan Love had no pressure. There were a couple of times I'm watching the tape where, you know, Billings, you know, puts the, puts the, push the uh, center right back into his lap a little bit, but he was able to get rid of the football. Obviously, Ngakwe had that, that coverage sack. But other than that, there really wasn't much pressure to, to Jordan Love. And he had like, you know, at one time there was like seven, eight seconds back there in a the pocket to find a receiver. And he was, you know, sure enough able to do that. So, uh, you know, that's something that they need to worry about there. Then, then the defensive, the coverage in the backfield was just some blown assignments. You know, uh, you know, up front, you know, they, they played some TE stunts, a tackle and stunts, but it just looked like the timing was off where, you know, that the tackle didn't step out far enough into the C gap to be able to protect that that lane there. Um, and then sometimes there are both uh, the end and the, the tackle are almost in the same gap. And now you have a, a, a huge rush lane for guys like Aaron Jones and, and other players to run through. So just it, it was just dysfunctional. Uh, uh, both lines were just looked like they were just out of sync. Uh, you know, something that you could have probably cleaned up, you know, where in the preseason, if you had played your starters more often. 
there's a whole other conversation. But uh, <laughs> as uh, Alyssa, as Danny alluded to, they spent some big money on on the linebackers this year with Edmonds and Edwards, and they they spent draft capital on the defensive line. They 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 have a high round. They got Tyreek Stevenson, uh, high round draft pick in, in in the secondary. So one would assume that because they brought in more talent on the defensive side of the ball, that they would be better defensively. However, they're not. So is this an indictment on the coaching staff that they, and I think this is a kind of a question that we saw in the chat room by, from Luke, the fact that they refuse to adjust their defensive scheme, is that not an evidence that they are not good at coaching defense? Isn't this a pretty big indictment on the coaching staff that you can spend all this money on the defense and you're getting the same, if not worse, results? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's you know, the coaching staff, but also, you know, we forget that how many of these starters on defense and offense were injured, right, during training camp and the preseason. Like with the offense, I feel like they could have had a little bit more of those preseason reps. But I mean, most of these defensive guys that were out, even like Jaquan Brisker, right, he didn't, he didn't even play in the preseason at all. So I feel like, you know, they haven't even been on the field together until this first game on defense. So I mean, you can make, hopefully it's a little rust, but also it does come down to the coaching staff. Again, this is Alan Williams, not a first-time play caller anymore, and his refusal to adjust. And again, when the game was within reach, when you could still win. And Danny said, like, Jordan Love had eight seconds back there. I mean, my goodness, Justin Fields have been sacked three times in that same span. So, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it needs to change because, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's not a world beater, but... He was very efficient for the Bucks in week one, stood back there, had some nice protection, and, and was able to, to lead them to a win against against the Vikings. So, I mean, he's I mean, he's not gonna be like a Patrick Mahomes, which the Bears have to face in a couple weeks, but he can get the job done. So you have to find a way to bring pressure on Baker Mayfield, or he's gonna make you pay with a you know a better receiving cast, uh, unlike what the Packers had on last Sunday. Right. With Godwin and Evans there. And, and Danny, I mean if you give any NFL capable NFL quarterback the amount of time that Jordan Love had, they're going to find the open guy at some point. They, I mean, these 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 are top professional quarterbacks. They're, they're going to eventually, if they go through the progressions, they're going to find somebody if they have all day to throw it. And instead of going after an inexperienced quarterback who you wanted to see if he could handle pressure, if he could handle the heat in in his face, if he could handle guys flying around, if he could if he could make the right decision or make an accurate throw under pressure, they basically just said. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna rush these four guys, and they're not gonna get home. So hopefully something good happens, and <laughs> and so and obviously nothing good happens. So uh, what can you ex- what can we expect against Baker Mayfield, who Alyssa alluded to, is not you know the top tier quarterback, but if you give him eight seconds to throw the ball, he's gonna find one of those guys uh, running a deep route or open through the middle of that zone, which we've seen is a big liability. Right. So, but the good news here is, is it is Baker Mayfield. He is a guy that, even though they pulled out a win, you know, last week, he is a guy who will give you opportunities to make make a play on a football. Meaning he'll throw the ball up there. So if you're a defensive back, you know, keep your eye out. You know, you can be able to jump routes and and pick pick him off because he'll throw the ball in coverage as well. So even watching him versus versus Minnesota, there are times where you know he just threw the ball up there, and there there are opportunities for the defenders to make plays on football. So that's a good news there. And in terms of pressuring him, you know, for him, he's a shorter quarterback. The thing with shorter quarterbacks is get that pressure up in his face so you know the defensive tackles got to get be able to collapse that pocket get that offensive line kind of retreating back into his face now you now you're pressuring him now he's going to be able to have to escape and that's where guys like 
you know, and, and Gakwe and, and Demarcus Walker, you know, God bless him. He he's a, he's the only one that actually shows some heart really in, in that game on, on Sunday. But unfortunately, both those guys do not set a hard edge in terms of as a run defense. So so well, that's the one thing they could do. They got to stop the run first, get better as a run defender, and now get after the quarterback. And now what I would do is I'd bring in you know, Khalid Kareem, you know, they got to pick up from the Colts, give him a shot. It can't be any worse. You know, Dominic Robinson, fifth round pick last year, you know, converted receiver slash quarterback, you know, different positions, still learning, still young. I don't know, other than being a fifth round pick, I'm not sure why he's he's getting, you know, snaps. So hopefully they, they bring in uh, this guy that picked up from uh, from the, um, the Colts, Kareem, and see what he can do. I mean, it can't, it can't be any worse, right? So you got to you know mix things in in and out. The one thing I did like when they did uh, last year with the defensive line, or I'm sorry, last week with the defensive line was they kicked Demarcus Walker inside, brought some more speed on the edge, edges. So maybe there's an opportunity there for Kareem to come out and, and play defensive end and rush on on, on pass rush situations. But again, with Mayfield get in his face, collapse the pocket from the middle, so guys like Billings and and Justin Jones, you know, you know, and then obviously the rookies got to be able to kind of kind of push those guys back. The good thing, another good news here is, is the Bucks' offensive line is a little bit of in transition. It's not as good as the Packers' offensive line. They have a pretty good uh, left tackle and Tristan Wirfs, who was a right tackle, switch over to the left side. He's a Pro Bowl caliber player. So whoever's going up against him, whether it's Ngakwe or or if it's uh, you know a, a Walker, they're not probably going to get close to to Mayfield. So I'm just saying, in the middle of the defensive line is where you generate that that push and collapse everything from from the middle in on Mayfield, and then he'll probably get, you know give the ball up, throw it up in coverage, and now defensive backs make a play on a football. So there is some good news there in terms of how they can take advantage of, of Baker Mayfield. But first you got to stop the run. They don't have any, you know, dynamic running backs like an Aaron Jones, you know, Rashad White is a physical in between the tackles kind of runner, you know, Sean Tucker is, is an undrafted free agent. So they have guys that can bang it inside, but not really guys that have dynamic, you know, big play potential like an Aaron Jones. So that's the good news. Stop the run and now make Baker Mayfield beat you and just try and collapse a pocket on him. So let's let's go. Uh, we've already kind of talked about this, but we didn't really ask the question. So let's let's go to a question from Tony Moy in the chat room, which says, "Will Flus bench Claypool for his lack of effort?" And Will Johnson start as the RB one. We already talked about Roshan Johnson. We think he's going to be more involved. But Alyssa, I want to start with you. Do you think they actually uh, have the gusto for to to say we're sitting you down because this, once again. That's an indictment on the organization saying we traded basically the 32nd overall pick for this guy and now we're benching him. Do you think that they you think that do you think they would actually do it? I mean, I hope so. I mean, I I don't have confidence in this coaching staff, but if you're going to make a move and you're going to set an example for the locker room that this kind of performance and effort is not going to be tolerated, you need to do it now. You know, the fact that Eberflus had to pull Claypool aside and have that discussion, I mean, it, it needs to happen. Put players on the field who want to play. It's as simple as that. Yes, you traded a 30-second overall pick. You know, you're going to have to eat that. I mean, it, 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 it happened. You can't do it, but you can focus on the now. Make him sit a game. Make him think about, you know, make him think about what he did and watch players out there who actually want to compete and want to play and go out and make plays. I mean, Equinani St. Brown, you know, he's not a, you know, Chase Claypool like receiver, but you know, he's a good blocker. He puts the effort in. Why not give guys like that an opportunity is all I have to say. I mean, this would be the time to do it. You can't, I mean, if you want to put him out there and give him a chance this week, but then you get the same effort. I mean, it just, I feel like it's going to backfire, but I feel like if there is an opportunity to do it, you do it now this week against the Bucks. Danny, do you think they would actually sit him down? 
Should they? Yes. No, they, they, should, they, should have, <laughs> they should have benched it's him pretty, pretty that second clear. half of that last week's game and had him sitting right next to Ibelhoofs on, on the sideline and watch that football game. But will they? I don't think they will, no. Because because of the investment they put in him, they want to get and, – and he is a threat when he is – he's a you know a, a combination of, of size, speed, catch radius. You know, he's a guy – and there were a couple times where he – in fairness to Claypool, there were a couple times watching the tape – uh, and about seven, eight throws where Justin just didn't pull a trigger. And, and a couple of them were to Claypool where he was coming off uh, on a hitch or, or a real quick, quick core round. He was open down the field and just the ball wasn't thrown his way. So you know, th- that was something there that, that he is a weapon on the outside. So uh, they talked about today, you know, just talked about, you know, if he's one on one on the outside, you guys throw it up there, let him go up and make a play. So he gives you that opportunity. So I don't think they're going to bench him, but I think they should bench him. Yes. And, and if, I, if I'm Chase Claypool, he's in a contract year. Yeah, this is the this is the kind of tape you want to put out for if, even if you're done with Chicago, even if you say I'm not coming back here, I don't care what they offer me, I don't like it here, I don't like the coaching staff, I'm not coming back. You're playing for another contract and potentially the last big contract you could get, unless you sign a one year series of one year deals, which might be what's in his future. But if if you're trying to get paid next year. And you want to put something on tape that teams are looking at him like, okay, if this guy doesn't get involved or doesn't get the doesn't get the ball as much as he wants, he's not going to block. He's going to pout, and he's going to be an issue where the coaches have to sit him down, or they have to have a one-on-one talk about, hey, you're a professional, you need to play football a little bit better, or at least take this a little more seriously. Who's going to be like, oh yeah, five-year deal over here, come on over? Like you're even if you are just fed up with the team you're playing for, you're playing for yourself. You're playing to get yourself paid. You're trying to get put something on tape where a team is going to give you a long-term contract with some financial security behind it. But if you're going to do this, then okay, then then you're going to get sit down. You're going to you're going to get a one-year five million dollar deal next year, a one-year nine million dollar deal next year, whatever it is, because someone's not going to be like, we're not giving this guy multiple years. Look how he acted in Chicago. It's one thing if, if you're overmatched physically, or you know, Ibrahim was talked about when he was defending him today about technique that his technique was bad. But yes, that was effort. That, there was no effort there whatsoever. You know, it's one thing if, like I said, if you match, overmatch physically or, or you just, you, do, you can't, get, you know, you're just not strong enough. But it's like he didn't even give an effort. Like he didn't give a damn because he knew the ball wasn't coming his way. He's like, I'm not going to be here out here blocking. So it, it was just embarrassing. The, the fact that, you know, you watch it live. You, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then go back and rewatching the tape again. It's like, it's, it's really damning. Like you said, John, he's putting this out on tape for all other, other teams to watch as well. So, you know, good luck trying to get that long-term contract secured next year. And to, to Luke's point in the chat, he said his play was specifically brought up on a national media stage, which is true. A lot of people from national media are tweeting yeah. out his, his video. It's not like you can just hide in the video where the people aren't going to have your stuff on tape and they're not going to tweet it out anymore. I mean, that, that, that's, you're, gonna, you're out there. No matter what, if you're out there, you're getting scrutinized. So you want to put out some good tape. Uh, let's move to, let's move to, you know, one quick uh, note for Ryan ahead. Poles, one, just a, a note for Ryan Poles. Don't ever trade for a receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers, because if they get rid of a receiver, he means he sucks. Yeah. And, and they're, they're really good at selling guys off when they're at their highest and, you know, getting as much back from them. They're, I mean, they, they've done it before. I mean, before all the Antonio Brown stuff, they did it with Mike Wallace and they, you know, they did it well, with Emmanuel Sanders. They know when to move on from a guy and they, and they know how the thing you know what the difference is, Danny, they know how to draft receivers. They know, right. how, they, know, they know how to restock the receivers because if there's right. – for every Mike Wallace, there's an Emmanuel Sanders, there's an Antonio Brown, there's uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, George there's Pickens. Uh, George Pickens, there is a, uh, a Deontay Johnson. Like they, they just know how to restock their receivers. The Bears don't. 
So that's that, that's the difference. Whenever you can move on from a guy, you don't have to get desperate and give up a big draft pick for a guy that you hope hits. That's that that's the difference between a, a stable organization and it's in a franchise that consistently is just grasping for straws. But that's that's an entirely different, you know, fundamental conversation down the road. That I'm sure we're going to have. But let's 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 get our crystal ball out here a little bit and just say or no let's just let's get magical let's go full out narnia here if you had a magic wand and you could say i'm going to fix one thing for the bears this week i'm going to fix one thing whether it's offensive line defensive line uh quarterbacking coaching running back if you if you had one freebie and you have a magic wand in your hand you're going full harry potter i don't know how many you know these fantasy movies i can name here but if you could fix one thing what are you fixing? I'm putting you guys on the spot. Danny, I'm starting with you. I'm not sure if I can fix the offensive line, defense line, other than just coaching them up and just making sure that they're, they're, they play better. But in terms it's magic, of, Danny. Well, you can fix it. It's fixed. You wave your wand and it's fixed. Which, what's the one thing you're fixing? I would love to be able to fix the offensive line. But in reality, I think what you do this week to win the game, I think you have to kind of go back and just start running Justin against. You know, there were no, I think it was only one design quarterback run last week. You're going to have to go back and, and run them, you know, seven, eight times again, just to get away from that pressure, do more rollouts and all that stuff, just to kind of get them away from that, that congestion in the middle of the offensive line and, and kind of break things down like we did against that, against New England, against, you know, basically the second half last, last season. So I think that's what you have to do for this game to try and get a victory and put some points on the board. But uh, that, that's what I would, I would recommend. Magic wand, Alyssa, what are you fixing? I mean, I know Danny already said it, but yeah, it's definitely the offensive line. I mean, it, it it's just brutal. But And also utilizing, but staying kind of more realistic is utilizing more of those design quarterback runs because you want to get Justin Fields comfortable, and that's when he's looked comfortable because he knows he does not feel comfortable in the pocket. Do not force him to be a pocket passer. Utilize his strengths. So maybe I want to fix the, the play calling too. I mean, I, I'm like mm-hmm. cutting corners here. Can I say fix the trenches? in general can that's, i just like wave the magic yeah, wand those are two things right there let's you can't don't get greedy with your magic wand you get one oh, thing man. You know, we, because we know both the sides of the we know both lines need need help that's why i was going to say defensive <laughs> line because we know alan williams is not going to change the scheme so i want the front four to get as much pressure as possible so because if the front four uh gets pressure then maybe they're not gonna you know just have all day to to you know pick apart that pretty bland defense. So I'll say the defensive line, uh, although we know the offensive line needs it, the offensive play calling needs it. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that, that need adjusting and it's, and, and it's, and it's just week two, which is really sad to, to, to think oh, about. Can we even do that schedule prediction? No, yes. no, no. It's, we've said it. It's in the air. It's staying it's out there. Well, well, I feel well, embarrassed now. <laughs> I think what we can do is we can come back in the middle of the season and look how see how stupid we currently look, and then readjust, had a losing record. readjust <laughs> the last eight to nine games because now that there's 17 games, there's no midway point. We're just it's whenever there's eight or nine games left, we may revisit this and uh, and see where where they're going to stand. Because uh, I, I do want to bring this up uh, to to both of you: is this kind of a must win game because we I, I said it I said it in the last segment where if they lose this one there's a pretty good chance they could lose to Kansas City there's no guarantee they'd beat Denver and then you're going on Thursday night in, in Washington after that but if you start this season 0 and 3 and I and I'm not saying they're going to but there is a real chance that could happen they could lose to they could lose to Tampa and they could lose to Kansas City and then you're 0 and 3 in a mm-hmm. year where you're sh- you're supposed to have tangible progress. You're supposed to say, we got better. 
Look at the wins. Look at the results. The quarterback's playing better. The offense is better. The defense has taken strides with this $100 million we sunk into it. And if you're 0-3, you know what kind of conversations are going to start coming up. Yep. So, Danny, is this kind of a, a must-win from just a put-out-the-fire standpoint? Yeah, we, we kind of touched on it real quick uh, after the postgame. Like, if, if you don't win here, you're 0-2, you're going to go to Kansas City. You're going to be 0-3. I'm just going to call right now. You're 0-3. Now I talk about Denver, and, and, and God knows what that's going to look like, right, in terms of what Sean Payton and, and Russell Wilson, what they can do to you. Uh, if you if you go 0-3, 0-4 to start the season off, now the, the, the seat gets hotter – uh, under some, someone's going to lose his job. I don't know if, if Alan Williams gets demoted or, or, or cut or you know, just fired or someone's going to have to, you know, there's going to be some, some heads rolling now if you start off 0 and 4 in the season. So I know, I know expectations aren't high. They're not like Super Bowl, you know, predictions and all that stuff, but still you want to see some tangible improvement here and to come out of the gates 0 and 4 when you have a favorable schedule. At the very least, I thought they'd go two and two at the you know the worst you know starting off you know coming out of the gates here, uh, but zero and four I think it that now you're gonna start hearing you know you know firings or possible firings and 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 all of a sudden the, the seat's gonna get hot under the whole entire coaching staff. Alyssa, they, they have lost eleven games in a row. Their last win was in last October, yep. that Monday night game against New England. We're yep. coming up on. 11 months and yeah. almost a year. And again, if they lose this week, we're going to be pushing a year since right. we have reacted to a bears victory, a year that we're talking about. And so is it, is this not kind of a must win? Because right now you're at 11 in a row, you lose 12 in a row. you could lose 13 in a row. Okay. Something's not, something has to change then. Because I don't care if you were dealt a bad roster or you were, you know, you had to, you had a lack of talent, first year play caller, all those excuses are over now because you, you sunk some money into it. And even if you're a really good coach, you can scheme a few wins against bad teams and they haven't been able to do that yet. So we're talking about 11 months since we've talked about a Bears, a Bears victory. This is, eventually every week's going to have some scrutiny behind it, right? I mean, even more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Has it really almost been a year? I mean, that would be something yeah. new for us to talk mm. about, but I really don't want to have that conversation. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I do think it is a must win because, you know, when we looked at, you know, the Bears and their 10-game losing streak last season, you know, Iberflus kept his team fighting, right? But now if that turns into, you know, own 2 own 3 own 4 against the Broncos, that's, what, 14 straight losses? Like, mm. How, how do you how do you get your team motivated to like how do you like it, it just feels like this is a pivotal moment this is a winnable game yes the Buccaneers have a really talented defense they have a lot of key veteran players on that squad but this is also an opportunity for you to go out there and avenge that whatever the hell that was on the field last week and come out with a win I feel like you have to because like Danny said the Chiefs game that's a loss with or without Travis Kelsey that's a loss um, you need, this is a winnable game. You need to go out there and win it. You need to make a statement because otherwise I'm going to be starting my hot seat articles again. Like I haven't done one of those since Matt Nagy and Ryan Pohl, uh, uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. My goodness. Mm. See, look, I'm already getting the names mixed up. Yeah, we Matt. really should have known Ryan and Matt. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like they need to, they need to update the handbook at Hallis Hall <laughs> for uh, press conferences for coach because Eberflus is starting to dig into those uh, Nagyisms that we saw whenever he was a guy. I got to look go back and look at the tape. And it's like, okay, you, you should know if you're, if you're in tune with this franchise, what's going to play and what's not to the fan base. And by saying every time you got to go back and look at the tape, 
there's a little bit of heartburn resonating from we heard a lot of that before. If we start hearing about how good guys practice it, practice the week before, or we start hearing about we got to figure out why this is happening, or we got to do the whys, okay, you're digging into that. I don't really have an answer uh, uh, handbook there. Now it's just like, I don't want to say we got our ass kicked and we got out coached, so I got to go look at the tape. The, the one damning thing about today, Iberflus's conference, I don't know if you guys have it or, or, or saw it or if you guys, if Aldo has it back there, is they asked them, a reporter asked them, why did, and we brought it up, John, after the game. And that when they got into first and goal and they, they pulled those back to backs to DJ Moore and they pulled DJ Moore. And I said, why is DJ Moore not in the game? They asked Iberflus. So I don't know. Yeah. You're the head coach of the football team. I know you're, I know Getsy's got the, you know, he, he runs of offense and all that stuff, but damn it, you're the head coach of the football team. You should look out there and say, Hey, DJ Moore is not on the football field. We're first and goal. Why not? Don't come to me and tell me, I don't know why he wasn't in the game. You're the, everything, the buck stops with you as a head football coach. You need to know why your quote unquote best receiver is not in a football game on, on first and goal. Danny, if he's not play calling on defense and he's surely not involved with the offense, I assume he's doing something, right? So like he should guests down to the field. I have no idea. Like like what why <laughs> he has to be aware of personnel. Like he's 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 watching the game, observing the flow of the game. And if it's first and goals, why the hell isn't DJ Moore out there? I'm right. getting I'm getting Luke Etsy. Uh, I'm 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 hey, hey, why isn't two out there? Right. What what are you doing? Because so, that, those walkie talkies, they, they talk to all the coaching staff. He right. can talk in that, that headset and be like, hey, where's DJ Moore? Why isn't Moore out there? Is he hurt? And that would he get the answer. So he doesn't go up to a press conference three days after a, a humiliating, humiliating, humiliating loss and be like, I don't know. Let's uh, let's go to uh, the question from uh, from Michael Pless. Says, Looking at the Bears' defensive personnel, shouldn't they play a more aggressive given their front and secondary cover two looks to be tough for them? Yeah, yeah, Michael, it is. Great, we've been asking for that, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know you're new in here, so I, we're gonna I'm gonna give you a break, but absolutely, yes, one hundred percent. But they won't. Uh, they, they won't because they're they're committed to this. I don't know keeping everything in front of you. Let them everyone just wreck the middle of the field there. So it, it's yeah. I, I I even from the outside, it's very obvious what the Bears should be doing, but they're but they're not going to. You know what I was thinking today, guys. Let's see if you guys uh, find this funny. But I'm thinking like, what is Rod Marinelli doing right now? Could he be brought in as an advisor, just to kind of give Alan Williams a, a sense of how to freaking call a defense? I mean, he ran, this is his defense, you know, and and he when he took over. With Bears back there, obviously had that more talent, but I mean, he became aggressive. You saw blitzes from the linebackers. You saw blitzes from the cornerbacks. You know, maybe we can bring in Rod Marinelli as an advisor. Something. I mean, I'm here for that. We're t- I mean, this is as bad as like we're talking about bringing an advisor. It's like remember Nathaniel Hackett had to have an assistant coach brought in like after <laughs> oh, week no. one because because he couldn't yeah. read the clock. Like we're, yeah. this is that's kind of that's kind of where well, we're. If you at. go 14 losses in a row, you're reaching Nathaniel Hackett level, aren't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad. It's a bad idea. But I'm just saying that's disheartening that you're going to have to bring in an advisor after one game. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, you have lost 11 in a row. So it's something, something needs to change. It didn't change right. the coaching staff uh, and they brought in new players and they're doing the same results. So where's the indictment really falling at now? It should be on the coaching staff. Okay. Let's go back to a, if you could, or no, let's, let's, let's just say, Pick one player this week. I know this is going to be incredibly difficult. What player needs to step up this week? If you could pick one player to rise up to the occasion and play better, who are, who are you picking? And I'll start, uh, Danny, I'm putting you on the spot again. 
For me, it's, it's got to be the best player on the team. It's got to be Justin Fields. I mean, okay. there there are like seven or eight, like I said earlier, seven or eight throws where he just didn't pull a trigger. He had he had big chunk plays uh, available down the football field. And for whatever reason, it just to me, guys, it seems like he's being coached to not throw interceptions. And also, he doesn't trust his offensive line. Anytime he sees uh, a, the opposing team's color, whether it's a helmet or the jersey's kind of flash in front of him or even through his peripheral vision, he's, he's looking, he's taking his eyes off the progression and he's, he's trying to move around and buy some time or, or tuck it and run. They're like I said, seven or eight throws where he could have, you know, made, you know, big plays down a football field. Either he either decided to, you know, tuck it and run or just, you know, dumped it off to the side. He talked about today being, he was conservative. Um, and that to me is just, that, that's the way he was being coached. I, I feel like that's, you know, what they told like, don't throw interceptions, you know, just, you know, kind of check down. And I've been, I've been harping, you know, let, let's see him kind of, you know, take what the defense gives you. That That's awesome. That's great. I do like that. But when opportunity is given, especially when they have big chunk plays and the, the receiver is open, you got to be able to hit those throws, Justin. And I think that's my hope is that he just kind of gets better in terms of, you know, his his anticipation with these receivers, working more with these receivers over time. And those players are going to be there for him to make because the throws were there. It's just he didn't pull the trigger on them. Alyssa, well, who do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with, with Justin Fields. Uh, so maybe I'll take a different uh, route. I mean, Chase Claypool, if only because that's I really fair. don't – don't want this trade to be a complete disaster. Mm. Like come out if, if he's active, if Maddie, Berflu, which I think will happen, he's going to be active, but like show that you want to be out there, show that, you know, you heard that message loud and clear. You're act like you're in a contract here. Go out and contribute. If you want the ball, go out there and play, like do what your job is. You know, how many people would be lucky to be in your position. Pete players in college that didn't make the NFL. They would kill to be in your shoes. Like just go out there and show that you heard Eberflus. show that you care, go play for your team, for your teammates, go be a leader. Like I, I feel like he, if he steps up, I think that'd be huge for this offense because I mean, obviously Justin feels that, that that would be the answer that I go, I'd go with, but it would be nice to see Chase Claypool. Also I'm cheating again, Nate Davis <laughs> for the entire <laughs> offensive line, but Nate Davis, especially because my God, that was, that was bad. But yeah, it, it'd be nice to see Claypool after the, the disaster and the fact that the national media is calling him out, go respond because all off season, you know, there'd been all this criticism for Claypool and we've been making excuses. You know, he was just traded here in November. He was still learning the system there. There's no more excuses. So for him to go out there and perform like that, that's inexcusable. Now go out and make it right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm one of those people that was making excuses for Claypool because I, I wanted Same. him to, I wanted him to be what we thought he was going to be. Uh, and if you, and even if he doesn't take those virtuous things that you were saying about like, being a leader, playing for team, do it for the money, go, yeah. go get yourself a contract, go, go, go out there and, you know, rub it in Chicago's face by saying, I'm not coming back here. I'm going to go get paid. But you're not going to do that if you're getting benched because you refuse to, you know, block and you're going to pout about things. So, Whatever your motivating factor is, whatever it is, light it up because we need we need to we need to see a little more production, a little more effort, uh, and and it's going to be in your best interest to do that as well. Uh, I, I would I would say obviously I, I'm Justin Fields would be uh, the the right answer here, I'm, I'm, but just for the sake of this conversation, uh, and I, I, as soon as I presented this question, the chat room had like nine guys. <laughs> that shows that shows you that shows you how much we, uh, they they need to improve. But I think Eddie Jackson is someone I'd like to see play a little bit better. Hey, I want to see him get back to his ball hawking skills. Also. On that touchdown, he was just way out of position that they threw in the end zone. And I, I, I really like Eddie Jackson as a player, and I want to see him 
flourish with this team. I want him to be the captain of that secondary. I want him to wear that badge as if he's the one, you know, in charge of these young guys, bringing them along in their professional career. I want to, I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him play really well. And I want to see him get some big interceptions. I also want to see him make the right coverage as well. Even if it doesn't always have to be a home run play, just do the right thing uh, in, in coverage. And, and that would go a long way as well. So Plenty of you know, plenty of people to choose from on who we who we actually want to uh, to want to improve. Um, let's let let's talk about the thing that uh, they, I think that what the Bears want us to be talking about is what they're going to be wearing this week. Uh, they're bringing it, they're bringing it back. I believe they are going to be wearing the orange jerseys and the orange helmets and they're going to on the uh, and I think they're I think that they plan this out in case they were embarrassing on week 1 that we'd have that we would, you know, be talking about this rather than how bad they look playing. We're going to just say how bad the jerseys look. So, uh, they're going to go back to those nice fluorescent orange jerseys. Is it more embarrassing if they lose in those in their traditional jerseys? <laughs> because that's that's how I see it. Like, ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna stand out with these real bright orange jerseys. There's the helmet right there, uh, and we're gonna and listen. I was kind of a weird supporter of these jerseys. I know I am in the minority here. I kind of like them mainly because orange is my favorite color, and I just. But I think you have to be a really good team to wear it. I think that you have to be. Uh, I think you have to be a real good team, uh, and you have to be a powerhouse to wear those jerseys because you're setting yourself up for a lot of ridicule. If you get if you get just throttled in a game and you're wearing those things, you're just opening yourself up to. Uh, to, to, to a lot of ridicule, but uh, Danny still, I, I know that I think, I believe last year you weren't a huge fan of the orange jerseys still, uh, still not on board with those. I'm guessing. No, those are, so <laughs> and every time I see them, I think of the, the great game that was between them and the, the commanders last, last year. And I was oh, like, yeah. Oh God. And I, you don't need that kind of performance offensively uh, again. Uh, but, but I, I, I'm not sure about this, but I think the home team picks the Jersey. And I, and I the only thing that this is could be a positive for them. It's not there because because I think the Bucks gonna wear the whites because be of the fact that it's hundred degrees. Yeah. So then that means they have to wear a navy blue. So at least it's it's a, not a dark color as a navy blue. So this might be uh, might be a, a, a positive if you will. But yeah, these are not jerseys that I would ever want to see them <laughs> wear again. Eliza. Yeah, I actually don't. I like the orange jerseys. I don't like the combo of the orange helmet and the orange jersey. Okay. At all. Like I I, I like the orange jerseys here and there. But like with that helmet, it's just awful. And like that combination, they were owned to last year. And like Danny said, the only positive thing, I think it's just them deciding, hey, we can either let them roast in those midnight clue jerseys, mm-hmm. or we can put them in orange, which is going to reflect less or reflect more light. Um, I guess it's a smart thing. And I don't know, maybe it's better to get your butt kicked in, you know, jerseys that really aren't the classic pairs yeah. uniform. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's bad. Like history has not been kind to the bears with that, with that uniform combination. I mean, I wasn't feeling confident either way, but yeah, it's, it's going to be ugly. I was thinking the same thing that PZ was in the in the chat room. It's like, I hope the Bucks wear their creamsicle one, so then no one knows any, who anyone is, and so it's just orange on orange on orange out there. But uh, as uh, Michael Plessa, they're probably going to go white on white just because of the the heat index that's going to be on that field. I, I like the orange jerseys because it does remind. I think they wore them a few times in their Super Bowl year in 2006. Mm-hmm. I, I remember. I think was Nathan Vasher wearing one of those whenever he took that field goal return back to the house. Was he wearing? Was he wearing? 
wearing the orange jersey. I don't know why. I just have like this. I, yeah, I, I believe so. I, just, I think I it was have, Halloween. Yeah, I think it was Halloween yeah. thing. Yeah. I just I just have this you know, nostalgic ad- admiration for the orange jerseys, but I don't think they wore orange helmets when they did that. I think they still had their right. blue helmets on whenever they were wearing it. So maybe maybe if they kept they will go they go back to the uh, the the navy helmet with the orange. I still want to see them wear white on white at some point. I want to see the white on the yes. white with the uh, with the uh, the white C on the side. I want to go full retro. I just want to see that once, but that's that's I know that this is what this is where we're at already, guys. It's week two and we're talking about jerseys. We're, we're talking about we're talking about color <laughs> schemes. We're talking about attire. It's our listen, you know listen, making her Alyssa's making her hot hot seat list already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Danny, I, I can't believe Got the graphic I'm, ready. Danny, why don't we have a mock draft out already? What's going on? What's oh, going God, on? I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time before it's Bears fans are because uh, it's right around October. Normally Bears fans are like, okay, let's start mock drafting who the Bears gonna take. And so it's we're not we're not that far away from that. But uh I think that we've we've basically covered everything that we can about this team and what is what they're up against on Sunday, reacting to what we saw last Sunday. Uh, any any parting words or any parting things we want to say moving going into this game against the Bucks? I'll, I'll leave the floor open uh, for anyone that wants to say anything. See you well, on the other side. There you go. <laughs> my, my my big thing is, I, I, in all seriousness, I want to see how this team comes back on response. I mean, th- it will tell me a lot about a their character in terms of, hey, you know, we were embarrassed. You know, Justin Fields came out after the game and apologized to the fans and his teammates said, you know, we're going to get better. So, you know, he's he's the face of the franchise. He's the leader of this of this team. So let, let's let's go ahead and, and see what he does and how they perform here. Uh, obviously, you know that that shows a character of the football team. That also shows, hey, you know what, that Matt Eberflus and the staff still has control of this of this locker room, you know, because, you know, that second half where you looked at them, you know, laying on, we're not laying, but like kind of like slumped in their seats on the bench, you know, and just looking like they're, you know, kind of defeated attitude. That wasn't a good look for them. And, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, they've lost 11 in a row now, you know, and if you lose this game, that's 12 in a row, you know, you know, even though they talk about building a good foundation, a good culture, what you're building right now is a losing culture. In order to get out of a losing culture, you're going to have to start winning. You have to win some games. And whether it's this week and then next week or, or whatever, you know, you got to come out of these first four games at least, like I said, two and two. You know, the, the Packers game sucked. It was horrible. It was deflating. It, you know, whatever, you know, you want to you know, call it, you can call it. But it's just one game. It's just one game. And let's see if they can rebound, you know, get a, get a uh, win on the road. That'd be huge uplift to, to the spirits of the team. Obviously, next week going to be going to be challenging with the Chiefs, but then maybe you come back with with Denver here at home. Denver's no world beater. You know, maybe you can come back and you can even your record at two and two. So that first quarter of, of that season, you're two and two, and now you can you know kind of you know, pick up from there and continue to get better. So the good news is, you know, as bad as the the tape was, a lot of the things are coachable. Now you now you can't coach Lucas Patrick to be a better player. That's that's beyond the point. But the other stuff, like Braxton Jones, horrible game. He can get he can play better. Right. Uh, 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 white hair can play better. Uh, Darnell uh, Wright is a rookie making his first start. He can play better. You know, I, I think Nate Davis, he had a horrible showing. I, I t- tweeted some of his things uh, out this, this afternoon. He could play better. So that's the positives that you can coach them up, get them better, get them to improve. And obviously now it's the scheme, the, the, the play calling has got to get better. So there are positive things to look at, you know, for the future and see if this team can can get better. Look at last year in Detroit. Detroit was one in six. And I was, I was firing Dan Campbell. And then all of a sudden they just got a, got caught a win. That sparked the young team, and then they got, got better and better towards the end of the season. They're one of the hottest teams in football, and now they've carried that momentum into this year. So, you know, it's you know, it, it looks bad, it feels bad, we feel like crap. But you know what? 
there's an opportunity to go out there, get a win. Winning a game on the, in the National Football League is tough, especially on the road. So you come out there and get a win. That kind of will kind of get the, the the troops, you know, enthusiasm back up, and hopefully that tells us a lot about this the character of this football team, its leaders, and the coaching staff. Agreed. And and I I'll, I'll say this before we wrap it up. Listen, I know we've been pretty doom and gloom to, uh, on this show and talking about all the deficiencies we saw in, in week one. I hope, I hope and pray that this team proves us wrong on everything we're saying. I, I hope they come out and blow the doors off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I hope that everything we're saying now gets played back in four or five weeks and say, look how much these people are overreacting. Look how bad they buried the Bears after week one and look at them now. I hope that's the case. I'm not rooting to be right. I'm rooting for them to win. I'm rooting for them to be good. I don't care if I'm wrong about everything. I was wrong last year about them being the worst team in the league. I didn't mind that they got the number one overall pick. I wasn't rooting to be right. I was rooting for the franchise. So I hope all of this stuff we're saying gets played back in five, six, seven weeks and say, what an overreaction. But I'm, I don't think it will be, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I'm hoping that it is. I'm hoping they come out on fire. They're pissed off. They're, they're reevaluating things. They readjust some things. They come out and they're an entirely different team in week two than they were in week one. I hope. I just can't emotionally invest in that anymore because it's not good for my health. It's not good for any of our health to think they're magically going to flip a switch and and just um, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the the shirt we. And I'm sure this is thrilling for the people in the podcast version of this, but we have a shirt. This has Justin Fields on it. This has hope. That's all we have right now, uh, and that's all that we can that kind of we can kind of grip on to. So. That'll wrap it up for this week's show. Before we shut it down, Alyssa, tell us what's happening over at uh, bearwire.com. I'm sure you have about 5 million stories out. What's uh, What are some of the hot things coming out? <laughs> yeah, make sure you check out Bears Wire. We're going to have all the latest news analysis. We're previewing the game against the Buccaneers, uh, and we're going to be breaking it down after the game. Win or lose, hopefully it's a win, leaning towards loss. But, yeah, we're going to try to make sense of it all and really hoping it's a win. Really hoping Justin Fields is not murdered on the field at Raymond James Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're all hoping for something to to spark, and we're going to see a change that we saw from last week. Danny, uh, if things don't change, people are going to be clamoring for a mock draft. So what's going on? What's going on with Draft on Tap and your uh, and your current analysis of some of these prospects? Well, I, I know you're just joking about mock drafts, but uh, you know I, I, I've already started looking at next year's class. Uh, I, I didn't think I'd be I'd be mocking him any, anytime soon, but hey, you never know. So uh, there's there's a ton of holes on this on this uh, on this team as we, as we all saw last week. Hopefully by the end of the season, those some of those answers or questions we have will be answered, and, and some of these players step up and, and and you know claim their their rightful spots on these on this team. But in the meantime, uh, you know, drafts on tap will be coming back after the season uh, concludes. The Bears season concludes, but in the meantime, I'm going to be still looking at uh, at prospects, and I'm going to be uh, throughout the season just kind of dropping some some clips here and there about players to keep an eye on collegial players that could fit in this scheme that could be uh could be very uh very helpful for the bears so looking for receivers looking for defensive line and offensive line help sounds good and don't forget to join danny me and our new analyst coach t on bear football directly after the game for our post game show the bear football the three of us will share our immediate reactions carry coach Eberflus and justin fields press conferences and break down the key plays of the game but that will do it for us tonight for Alyssa barbieri and danny shimon i'm john buffone We'll see you next week right here on Buffone 55 is week two, baby. Buckle up. It should be interesting. We'll see you next time.